I'm Spencer Levy, and this is The Weekly Take. As businesses, consumers, and investors have grappled with the challenging global events over the past two years, One Nation has emerged as a steady story of economic and real estate success. On this episode, we read into that story of a small island nation that's been doing big business, Ireland. We were one of the really first movers in Ireland. I'm not bragging, but we were. That's Bill McMorrow, the chairman and CEO of Kennedy Wilson, an L.A.-based investment firm that holds $16 billion in assets under management. Bill's led the firm since 1988, betting big on the Emerald Isle around 10 years ago to become one of the top commercial property owners in the country and counting. Over the last 70 years, a key pillar of our enterprise policy has been, one, making Ireland one of the most competitive and attractive locations in the world. And that's Dennis Curran, head of Regions, Property and Enterprise Development for IDA Ireland. Based in the capital city of Dublin, IDA is the government agency charged with attracting and facilitating investment, foreign and domestic, with a host of support and incentive programs that we'll hear about on this show. And to help put it all in perspective, we also welcome CBRE's Marie Hunt. When you ask the the Why Ireland question, there's never one simple answer. Marie is the Executive Director and Head of Research and Consulting for CBRE Ireland, also based in Dublin. With more than 25 years of experience at CBRE, Marie works with occupiers, developers and investors who are now powering the Irish markets and economy. We'll look at the programs and business practices that have driven the trends all over Ireland, and we'll find out why it's become a go-to for corporate relocations from around the world. Coming up real estate in Ireland, and the luck of the Irish economy. That's right now on The Weekly Take. Welcome to The Weekly Take, and this week we are going to be talking about Ireland and why it's been such a great economic and real estate success story with three terrific experts on Irish real estate. Let's start very big picture, why Ireland is an attractive investment option for you, when you could invest anywhere. Well, thanks, Spencer. But in 2011, we, we first started investing there. The uh, 10-year bond rate in Ireland was uh, over 15%. Today, it's 70 basis points. The unemployment rate was over 15%. In fact, as I recall, it was close to 16.5%. Um, the banking system was in great difficulty. And so kind of against that backdrop, we were one of the really first movers in Ireland. I'm not bragging, but we were. And, uh, you know, we invested during that period of time probably $5 billion U.S. dollars in the last 10 years. And we've got roughly another billion and a half dollars of construction that we're doing in Ireland. And so for us, we're all about building businesses over the long term. And we looked at Ireland really as a 20, 30, 40 year decision that we were making. And fortunately, it's all now proven out to be the case. And I think when you think about Ireland more than maybe any place in the world, the the growth in the country, the tax receipts, the young population, the education system, all of the things that are so important, the job growth in uh, tech, in pharmaceuticals and in the financial services industry have all supported the thesis that we had 10 years ago 
Um, it's very rare that you can see that combination happen. Dennis, why don't we get your perspective of how you've seen Ireland grow and why uh, over the last decade? Yeah, I think Bill has, has given a good summary there. I'll probably, Spencer, go back uh, maybe a few decades more. Um, you know, Ireland, uh, from a government and industrial policy perspective, um, over the last 70 years, key pillar of our enterprise policy has been making Ireland one of the most competitive and attractive locations in the world for uh, foreign direct investment targeted at certain sectors like life sciences, technology, international financial services, uh, and global engineering activities. Underpinning uh, that um, has been the stability and the consistency of a policy framework, which makes it easy and attractive uh, for companies to come and establish uh, and scale here. So regardless really who has been in the makeup of um, our government over the last 70 years, we've been able to provide a consistent and predictable policy environment um, that investors have welcomed um, to the point where today we have over 1,700 multinational FDI companies with international operations located in Ireland. And when we go and talk to investors about why they chose to locate in Ireland, what they constantly tell us is access to local and international talent, uh, our membership of the European uh, Union, you know, a population of over uh, nearly 450 million people at the moment, uh, you know, of a GDP value of around $17 trillion. Uh, I would echo what our previous two speakers have said. When you ask the, the Why Ireland question, there's never one simple answer because it's a combination of many things. It's the economic story, it's the demographic story, the rising population, the Euro-denominated English-speaking and the highly educated workforce. And I think it's also the calibre of the types of occupiers that make cities like Dublin and Cork their homes. So if you talk about Google, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of the big technology firms, they have their headquarters or their EMEA headquarters out of Ireland. So they're servicing Europe from this country. And I think also there's been a lot of discussion around how Ireland managed to achieve positive GDP growth during the pandemic and why it was the fastest growing economy in the world last year. And I think it's because 50% or more of our GDP growth is coming from both pharma, life science, ICT technology type companies, all of whom are based here. So it's a combination of all of that. And I think from a real estate perspective, if these guys are going to choose to locate here, they're going to have to find office buildings, industrial logistics facilities um, and residential accommodation to accommodate that. So it has been very beneficial for the real estate sector. But before I finish, just to say a lot of discussion around the global financial crisis, I think it's really important to point out that before 2010, all of the investment into Ireland was 100% domestic. And the arrival of firms like Kennedy Wilson into the Irish market was transformational because now every year consistently investment spend over 50% of it is coming from non-domestic locations, US, Germany and, and other parts of Europe. And that's a very healthy position to be in because it means we're not as exposed as we were pre-global financial crisis and we won't hopefully ever have to go through a, a crisis like that again. Well, Maria, I just want to reemphasize one point that you made there. Uh, Ireland was the fastest growing country in the world last year. Is that correct? That's correct. At what rate, ballpark? 
Um, about 13.5%. Um, now, in Ireland, what we tend to do is we quote two rates. So we quote that overall GDP rate, and then we strip out the multinational activity. But even when we do that, it's still 6.5% growth year on year at a domestic level. So you can see there just how significant the multinational activity is to Ireland and achieving those sort of phenomenal growth rates. Dennis, let's turn back to you. What types of incentives does Ireland give these companies to come there? Sure, Spencer. Uh, yes, ID Ireland does provide a suite of financial supports uh, that our client companies can access. These financial supports are part of a wider, more comprehensive service offering that IDA provides uh, to its clients. Um, and that's to both new name companies that are seeking to invest in Ireland for the first time uh, and also to companies that are already established and operating uh, out of Ireland. Um, the suite of supports and service offerings offering straddles financial supports and non-financial supports. So we would work with companies when they're at the commencement of their Ireland evaluation process, gathering information and data on Ireland, and we can assist companies uh, in that regard. We also facilitate site visits to Ireland uh, where we can facilitate meetings with peer companies um, where these companies can share their insights on their own due diligence that they carried out on Ireland before establishing in Ireland. And they also can share their experience of what it's like to operate and scale uh, out of Ireland as well. In addition to that, we facilitate and broker meetings with legal providers, uh, tax advisors. Um, we also facilitate commercial property viewings uh, and also can source property and strategic site options uh, that our clients uh, may be seeking. Going back to the suite of financial supports that our clients can access, there's a wide variety of them. We also offer uh, a variety of programs that support research, development and innovation uh, investments. Uh, we work a lot with our companies in upskilling and retraining um, um, their staff and employees. Uh, and we have uh, financial programs that can support companies that are making investments in, that, in those particular areas. We also have financial support programs uh, that can assist companies that are making investments in green economy type areas, sustainability uh, type areas and biodiversity type areas as well. Um, so it is quite comprehensive. Philip, you own or have bought about $5 billion of product uh, in the last decade. Uh, you got another billion under construction. So tell us a little bit about um, the types of real estate you buy in Ireland. It's been every asset class. We invest in uh, office buildings. We have a big uh, multifamily rental business in Ireland. Uh, we have an industrial uh, business in Ireland. We have retail. And, and the one hotel that we own, of course, that is kind of, I would say our pride and joy is the Shelburne because of so many reasons. But I would say also too, it, it's been the support that we got from the governmental agencies like IDA when we bought Clancy Key, uh, which is a, the biggest apartment complex now in Ireland. We started with 280 units there. We now have 900 units. But the buildings that we had to restore there, some of the buildings were, were 200 years old. And so we had to do that under the framework of a historian that watched every single 
uh, move we were making on the property, but it was always in the sense of supporting us. Um, so today, now finished, it's 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 the largest single multifamily property in Ireland. But uh, every asset class that we've invested in in Ireland has actually turned out to be a, a sound decision. Really? Just walk us through how the fundamentals are doing today, starting with office and then some of the other sectors. Well, I would say structurally, the drivers of the Irish market are no different anywhere else in Europe, really. But I suppose being an island nation, there are some um, obvious changes. If we start with offices, um, not unlike any other country across Europe, a lot of people decanted to their home countries or home counties during COVID. And our lockdowns were pretty severe. So Dublin city centre, for example, emptied out quite a bit. Um, but it started to come back and it's come back in a big way, particularly in recent weeks now that we're, we're back in, in office buildings again. So we're very confident that the supply demand situation is very much in balance. Rents are starting to grow again. Um, the level of decline from peak to trough since the beginning of the pandemic was about 10 or 11 percent. And now that compares with almost a 50 percent peak to trough d- decline after the global financial crisis. So that tells us that the supply demand balance is very much in balance. If anything, we need to encourage people that have planning for offices to get building now so that we keep that consistency of supply and that we can cater for all the the companies that that Dennis and his colleagues are bringing through. So I would have no issue whatsoever in terms of the office market, albeit the hybrid model will evolve and we may use buildings in a slightly different way. Um, Demand is is still very strong. I think in the industrial logistics sector, again, in the same way we've seen globally over the last two to three years, there's been huge structural shifts. And I think Ireland has really benefited from that because on the one hand, we had Brexit. On the other hand, we had the pandemic and supply chains were very low in country. So being a small island, a lot of the goods that come into Ireland come in through ports and airports and a lot of occupiers are now deciding to bring more inventory in country and have more stock in country. And as a result, we're seeing the big online players starting to set up operations here as well. So the demand for industrial logistics has really increased over the last 12 months. It's been the best performing sector. And then there's this very strong demand for multifamily. We need housing and we particularly need rental housing to cater for all the, the migrant labour that we're seeing coming into the, the cities in particular. Um, um, and right across the board, we're seeing demand for life sciences and other alternative forms of investment as well. Although in Ireland's case, um, things like film studios and energy infrastructure, life sciences, it's a much smaller investable universe. So the bulk of activity is still going into office, retail, industrial logistics and multifamily. So, Dennis, if you'll indulge me, let me reminisce for a moment. I've been to Ireland three times and the first time I was there was in 2000, where I went on a golf trip uh, with my father, my father-in-law, and uh, my good buddy, Greg Smith. And uh, we did the Ring of Kerry. I remember the trip, not just for the golf and the great times we had at the uh, restaurants and pubs afterwards, but also the infrastructure in 2000 was night and day different than the infrastructure I saw when I went back the second time in 2016. Um, And so I want to ask you a two-part question. First, what changed between 2000 and 2016 to give you really modern infrastructure, uh, number one? And number two, I know that Dublin is the nexus of economic activity there, but how much is this a broader Ireland story in addition to Dublin? 
I think you make a very, very good point there, Spencer. We might have you back, uh, you know, soon, maybe in the, in the summer, Northwestern are playing Nebraska in the college. Can't wait. Uh, football game during the summer. And you're probably aware that, uh, you know, the Ryder Cup is going to be held in, in Limerick in 2027. But in terms of that investment in the carrying capacity and capability uh, across the country, um, Ireland historically would have benefited on funds sourced from the EU maybe 20, 25 uh, years ago. And a lot of that uh, investment was put into productive assets in road infrastructure uh, in relation to physical capital infrastructure, improving you know, the productivity and reach uh, of our regions. And there's been a continuation of that investment. Obviously, the investment levels have peaked and troughed since then, but at the moment, we're undergoing you know, a current version of our national development plan, which maps out demographic population growth and investment supporting that to 2030. In addition to that, uh, there's a core focus on enterprise development at a regional uh, level. And if I was to give you some examples uh, of that, in the last six weeks, we've announced over uh, a half a billion euros of investment from two U.S. multinational companies. So if, if I look at the geographical distribution and choice that we're able to give investors, uh, I mentioned of the 1,700 companies, uh, multinational companies that are situated or located here in Ireland and the 257,000 people that they employ here, around 55% of all employment is outside um, uh, of Dublin and um, a lot of that investment is predicated on you know the universities that we've lo- located outside of Dublin uh, the investment into the road and rail infrastructure um, also the air transportation uh, infrastructure the port infrastructure um, because if I look at the life sciences sector it's over a hundred billion euro business uh, for Ireland and you know close to 100% of that is exported out of the country. And you don't have to bring it all to Dublin. There are transport nodes in regional locations that can facilitate access from regional locations to the rest of the world. Well, Dennis, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for the invite back to Ireland. And I will tell you, I was supposed to come back for my 50th birthday two years ago, uh, which got messed up because of COVID. But I've decided two things. Number one, I am coming back. Uh, as soon as possible. And number two, I'm not going to turn 50 until I show up in Ireland. That's when I'm going to turn back the clock. So, Bill, let's talk a little more nitty-gritty real estate returns, relative returns. Give us a sense of some of the cap rates, some of the returns you're seeing there versus other places in Europe or even in the United States. Look, everywhere in the world over the last 10 years, returns have, have, uh, have gone down as people have searched for yield. And the amount of capital that has been generated and raised all over the world has uh, created that situation where there's uh, too much money chasing too few high quality assets and markets. And so Ireland has been no different. Uh, We got spoiled in the early days of 11 and 12 and 13 in the sense that we were there on our own. And it turned out that a number of the properties we bought also had land adjacent to it, like Clancy Key, that we didn't attribute a lot of basis to because we didn't know what was going to happen with land values. It turned out we were very conservative, and that's why we started building on this land. Uh, But 
I'd say that uh, cap rates in Ireland are similar to what they are here in the Western United States. The good multifamily assets are being sold at cap rates of anywhere from three and a half percent to into the low fours. Uh, the office a little bit more and, and retail is actually starting to come back in a pretty big way right now. And so even though there's a lot of rhetoric around interest rate increases, uh, it hasn't changed people's appetite to buy high quality real estate. Ireland has become a very favored place for investors really from all over the world. We don't really see the fundamentals uh, changing at all in Ireland long term. What was very interesting to me was that when the pandemic started and there was all sorts of doom and gloom about the future of the office and what might happen with rents, um, cap rates were at circa 4% at that point and they'd been stable at that level for a number of years and they did not change at all throughout the last two years, even though we went through a, a very challenging time and office take-up would have, would have been down year on year. At the same time, yields stayed exactly flat at 4%. And I think what's unusual right now is that you have industrial logistics cap rate at exactly the same level of 4%. Um, so the expectation is that they will compress a little bit from here because I think if you compare yields in Ireland with the rest of Europe, sometimes there's a gap there and there's a reason for that gap. And the main reason being that we have upward and downward rent review legislation. So at rent review, which is typically every five years, the rent can arguably go up or down. So investors, if you're a European investor coming into the Irish market, you always have to leave yourself that bit of a cushion to allow for what might happen at rent review. You used a term called rent review, which quite candidly is, is new to me. Uh, explain what it is and how it works. Well, typically in Ireland for commercial property, leases are quite long. So we would typically have 15, 20, 25 years. And usually the rents are reviewed every five years. And up until about 2010, most of those commercial leases were on an upward only basis, meaning at the five year review period, if there was no market evidence, the rent just stayed the same. But if there was evidence to show that rents had increased, that rent could increase. And from then on, the Irish government brought in new legislation, which said that rent reviews can now be upward or downward. So that means at review at the five-year period, if there's market evidence there to show a lower level of open market rent, arguably rents can fall. So I think when investors are investing into the Irish market, they need to be mindful of this because um, some leases, particularly those that were signed in recent years, will be subject to this upward and downward rent review legislation. But there's still quite a few leases floating around that would have been signed pre this legislation coming in. So it's still possible for investors to find opportunities to invest in upward-only leases. And again, this is specific to the commercial property market. When you say commercial, you mean office, industrial, and retail, not multifamily? Everything other than residential, yeah. Is what you're saying that people have shorter-term leases by design there? The trend that we're seeing in the United States right now, interestingly, in the logistics sector, is that Shorter-term leases are trading better than long-term leases at the moment simply because rent growth has been so extraordinary. Um, would you say that's the same thing in Ireland or a little different? I think it's a little different. I think the fundamentals of the market here are quite different. There's a huge shortage of space. The vacancy rate in the industrial logistics space in Dublin is sub 2%. Um, and a bit like Bill was saying, when you're building a brand new industrial logistics facility, it's going to be let before practical completion. It's probably going to be you know, pretty much let up halfway through construction, such as the demand for modern buildings and ESG is starting to play a part in that space too. 
Um, so I think most of the bigger leases still are 15, 20 year terms, because maybe from a funding perspective, you need that length of longevity of income in order to get the, the funding in place. This is a really important point you're making about the office market. Uh, our lease terms that we're doing in Ireland are typically 10 to 20 years with upward only rent reviews. And when you're looking at here in the United States, the lease terms typically are five years and sometimes shorter now. And so you're always constantly putting capital back into the office buildings here in the United States over shorter durations of time. And the real, real positive thing in Ireland is that you're getting these longer lease terms. Uh, one of the leases we're about to do in a, a pretty big lease uh, it's, it's 15 years uh, with 12 years term certain. It's very hard to find that uh, in other parts of the world. Well, it's becoming increasingly important, uh, this debate over term versus flexibility. That I would say that's probably the, the global debate right now. But it's becoming mission critical in certain major markets where you're seeing TI costs now exceed 200 bucks a foot in some instances, sometimes higher than that. And how do you do a short-term lease if you're paying two two fifty a foot in TIs? Very very hard to make the numbers work, and even if you're not doing TIs, the clients that we have here in the United States are demanding that capital be spent somehow. It might be spent on furniture, it might be spent on other things, and they have options uh, of where they can go. Whereas. You know, in Dublin, it's a pretty confined market. But I would say too, Spencer, that like we do have other investments in Cork, for example. And I, I think you will see over time, as Dennis was pointing out, that uh, some of these other markets like Limerick and Cork are going to really attract companies as costs get higher in Dublin, and they inevitably yeah. will. That's what we're seeing as well. Um, if I look at Galway, uh, for example, um, they have a very, very strong unified communications uh, cluster, financial services clusters. Companies like MetLife, Fidelity, Cisco, um, Poly, um, all with significant uh, software engineering operations teams uh, and technology development teams located uh, there. And the same in, in Cork with uh, companies like Apple and companies like McAfee in the cybersecurity uh, side. And we're also seeing some of the financial services companies also look beyond Dublin uh, around funds administration, funds accounting, um, those types of activities as well. So we're seeing an increasing amount of geographic spread uh, you know, across uh, the country in these particular locations. And as a result of that, Spencer, we are seeing more private sector office build happening in city center uh, locations in the locations that I just mentioned there. I'm going to ask a wrap-up question to each of you. Bill, let's fast forward five years from now looking back. Um, how do you see the overall Irish story five years from now looking back? You know, Spencer, I was thinking while you were talking, so much of this revolves around this education system in Ireland, where an Irish citizen can get a top quality education they can go to a university, a top flight university and high school and so on for free. And so they're not burdened with the costs that you have, for example, here in the United States. And so 
the 1,700 companies that uh, Dennis is talking about are going to grow to 2,500 companies, I'm telling you, over the next five to 10 years. And so to support that growth, you've got to have this younger, well-educated population. The younger people are also seeing the success of companies like Stripe, which was started by two young Irish uh, men. Uh, other smaller Irish tech companies that have now monetized themselves. And so the younger people are seeing this all happen. Uh, the point you made, too, about how much Ireland has changed, I would say physically, even over the last 10 years, uh, it's just become an extremely attractive city uh, appearance-wise, the architecture, the buildings, all of these things add up to a huge quality of life decision that people have to make. I just see these as very, very positive underlying investment themes in Ireland. And then, you know, I live, and this is a silly one really, Spencer, but I live in the Western United States where we've been in drought conditions now for three or four years, and it is going to be a major influencer of development in this western United States, particularly in the state of California. There's no shortage of water in Ireland. And, and you know, you can kind of belittle that, but if that natural resource is a really important asset to have. So look, we're very bullish, as I said at the beginning. We're not like a private equity firm that is trying to come in and take advantage of whatever corrections going on. We're building a business that's gonna last 40, 50, 60 years. And uh, that's still our thesis. Well, a shameless plug for this podcast, we have as a guest Parag Khanna, who is a noted demographer globally, and his basic thesis is around water, is around natural resources and how the world is going to evolve, A, to go further north, B, to go to some places that have these natural reservoirs of water. So uh, it's not a silly idea at all. Um, But please listen to the weekly take when we have that episode, too. So, Marie, same question to you. Five years from now, looking back, what do you see? I think we're at the beginning of the next big cycle for Dublin. I'm very um, bullish about where the economy is going um, and where we are in the cycle from a real estate perspective as well. I think we learned very valuable lessons after the global financial crisis. I mentioned the split between domestic and international investment previously, um, but also supply demand. I think we're much more controlled now in terms of the delivery of that, and it's much more consistent. And having learned those lessons, um, we're very well... um, placed right now to capitalize on the growth that's going to come through over the next five years. And uh, Dennis, we'll give you the last word. I will have you put on your five-year hat as well uh, to look through that prism. Yes, Spencer. uh, Seeking to look out five years from now in an operating environment which there's a lot of volatility, can be challenging. But maybe if I bring you back to um, our strategy document, which we launched in Q1 of 2021, uh, in that document, we highlight a number of key areas which we are going to focus on and invest in over the next uh, four to five years. And many of these areas are very much aligned with the innovation, technology, sustainability, operations, and digitization roadmaps uh, of the key sectors 
where Ireland has an international expertise in. I mentioned earlier that Ireland is a global leader in the area of life sciences, both in the biopharmaceuticals and medical technology areas. And we'll be working uh, in the biopharmaceutical areas to support uh, companies on next generation investments in the area of advanced therapy, medicinal products, and also in cell and vaccine therapies. And to do that, we're going to be investing in key enabling infrastructure. We're also going to be opening in 2022 a brand new advanced manufacturing center of excellence. And this is going to be a national resource which our client companies can access and by them being able to leverage this new advanced manufacturing centre, uh, we're hopeful that they'll be able to deploy all these disruptive uh, manufacturing technology and leverage these particular technologies maybe quicker, better, faster, maybe than uh, some other locations uh, globally. So those are some of the particular areas uh, where we're looking at to work with our our client companies over the next four uh, to five years, but also uh, as a country, uh, areas where we're going to be investing. One thing that just struck me, I was reading a speech that Janet Yellen made when she visited the Irish Parliament last year. And one, she said, Ireland is, is more than its rate of corporate tax. So there's other reasons why people are coming here. And the second thing she said was, it's the United States' great fortune to have a friend such as Ireland. Well, it's true because uh, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's something like 50 million Americans have some Irish descent. It might be more than that. It's an enormous number. So it's close to 60 million. 60 million. Thanks, Bill. And yeah. it's, I've never felt more welcome as an American overseas than I have in Ireland. It's like, yeah. you know, one family. So it's wonderful. And I'm sure the relationship will continue. I note that our president has Irish roots, Joe Biden. So uh, that'll probably certainly uh, enhance it as well. And maybe, Spencer, just to build on what, what Marie said there, 53% of the foreign direct investment that comes into Ireland comes from. Uh, you know, the United States. And what Marie said there, like, companies uh, evaluate multiple criteria and different sets of criteria, you know, before they make their investment choice in terms of location. And finally, I would say that it's just the operating environment here, given that, you know, we've been in the foreign direct investment business for the best part of 70 years now. Ireland has proven itself to be a very tried and trusted uh, location and around 65% Spencer of all the investment we get is repeat investment. So this is existing investors doubling down on their investment uh, in Ireland. We look forward to that trend continuing. Well, uh, that and the finest golf courses in the world. So after you were done uh, with your business, uh, you could find the time out there as well. So on behalf of the Weekly Take, what a great discussion about Ireland. First, I want to thank uh, Bill McMorrow, Chairman and CEO Kennedy Wilson, for joining us today. Bill, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Spencer. Great to be with everybody. Great to have you. And then I want to thank my friend and colleague, Marie Hunt. Marie Hunt is, runs our Irish research uh, operations. She's Executive Director, Head of Research and Consulting. Marie, thank you so much. Thanks, Spencer. And last but certainly not least... We have Dennis Curran, Head of Regions, Property, and Enterprise Development for IDA Ireland. Dennis, next time, I hope to see you in Ireland. Yeah, and thank you very much for the opportunity to join you today, Spencer. We look forward to seeing you back in Ireland. For more on the Irish success story and on our show, 
please visit our website, cbre.com slash the weekly take. You can also find links to the latest research prepared by Marie Hunt and her team at CBRE Ireland, including our outlook for 2022 and the current edition of their bi-monthly market report. We hope you enjoyed this conversational trip to the Emerald Isle. And if you did, please remember to share the show with your network around the world. You can also share your feedback with us. Subscribe, rate, and review The Weekly Take wherever you listen. We'll return with another international star, best-selling author Parag Khanna. In a face-to-face conversation we recorded at the recent CBRE Institute conference, Dr. Khanna will share his deep and sometimes dramatic views on business, real estate, and the future. It's sure to be thought-provoking, no matter your line of work. We look forward to you joining us for that next week. And of course, we thank you for joining us now. I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.